prepare, how do you handle that? And then how do you go home at night and get ready for the next day? How do you flush that game? So like, I'm really big on that routine, the pre-performance routine, the during performance and the post-performance routine. We are back with another episode of Champion School. I am Ray McIntyre, joined by BZB, Austin Byler. We are here repping. Uh, Coach Byler does not have his microphone today. He might sound like he's underwater, so bear with us. But <laughs> it is what it is. We're going to make do. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm backstroking through your audio right now. So if you have your AirPods in, I'm literally backstroking in your ears. Take that for what it is. That's what that slight echo is, is his backstroke <laughs> right there. Anyways, what's new? What's new with MLU? Uh, some cool stuff potentially on the horizon, as we talked about off air. Maybe not going to be able to drop that yet because it's just not not out yet, but some cool stuff. So what do we got going with Major League University? Ray, it's crazy how it always comes back to our, our good mentor, Nielsen's motto. And now our motto is keep showing up. We went to Wyoming this past weekend in Casper. Uh, it all kind of happened out of just happens chance. We went out there this last summer to go speak at the Expedition League All-Star Game. And we met a great guy named Todd. Todd's probably listening. Shout out, Todd. Let's go. Runs an amazing program called Valor Baseball there in town in Casper, Wyoming. And we went out there to run a great clinic. It was awesome. Brought up a, a new guy on our team, uh, Coach Steve, who crushed the pitching side and the mental toughness side. Um, dude was awesome. And then Todd killing it out there with his hitting and, and his approach these kids but the kids were so respectful the guys and girls so laser locked with their eyes and they're just dude, hungry for knowledge so that was a great situation there <clears throat> excuse me and then this weekend man we got some some fun things planned we're going out to uh, a couple double dip here i just got the call yesterday from dean uh, with team elite he's awesome he's been one of our mentors as well and we'll be going to lsu baseball and then uh, see Coach Johnson and Coach Wani. Let's go. I'm pumped to go see what they're doing. And then we're going to go down to see Coach Lewis. He was on the podcast a couple weeks ago with uh, Nickel State Softball. We're going to go stop in there. They're close by as well. So going to be some cool things happening. Um, excited, right? And I think things are moving in the right direction, right? How about you? That that Justin Lewis podcast, by the way, I know I don't think you've seen it. Has exploded. It's like 160 views in the last like two weeks just via the audio. So pretty wow. tight. So yeah, no, he's got some pull, and what a great dude, you know. The, them and obviously the boys at LSU, like those are some of our favorite people on the planet. So fired up, you got to go out there and and hang with them. So um, for me on my end, obviously we're you know, for my other job that I'm working right now, we're three weeks away from or two weeks away from finishing up a real fall. So uh, things are moving, been crazy busy, but it's, it's been really good. And, and we're finally starting to trend towards, you know, the next phase, whatever that is. So uh, for me, at least I'll have some clarity on what's going to happen <laughs> for, for, for my next six months or so. So it'll be good. Um, anyways, I got some cool stuff for this week's good news of the week. Good news of the week, number one. Uh, I saw a movie last night, Chasing the Present, on YouTube. I sent you a, um, a little picture of it, right? Uh, but I kind of wanted to just break it down. 
are you, you're talking about potentially getting it right or, or renting? Is that right? Yes. Uh, if I'm able to watch it on the plane today, I'm going to watch it on the plane. If not Sunday morning. It's really cool. It's a, uh, it's a guy who had some, uh, I think he abused alcohol or drugs early on in his, his life. It was typical rebellious teen. And uh, he ended up kind of basically hitting a lot of anxiety, even, even after he got rid of the drugs and the alcohol um, he started having some major anxiety. And so this whole movie is about his two year journey where he's going out, he's meeting with shamans and monks and uh, a bunch of people that are involved in meditation, psychologists, and uh, they're basically trying to tell him the way to happiness all right, or finding yourself and, and almost all of them and the way they've kind of gone about it in their own ways of speaking. Uh, they say basically that, you know, we punish ourselves, right? Like we always look for suffering, even if we don't know it, like we need suffering in our lives. And so if we can just get rid of that and just be in the present moment, we just find out that suffering doesn't even exist. It's like a figment of our imagination. So it's all about being in the present moment and, and locking in. And I, I won't give it all away, but like there's a shot that kind of is a continuous shot throughout the scene. And then you look at it at the end, and you're like, man, that guy wasn't even like present. Like he's not even there. So, um, you can see it in conversations you have with people all the time, right? Like, you know, when somebody's not mm. there and not locking eyes with you and Eva brought it up last night, she's like, that is one of the most frustrating things in the world. When you start talking to somebody and you know, just by the, the, the look in their eye and whatever conversation you're having, they're beyond it already, you know, like they're just not going to give you the time of day. So, uh, have you had any, any situations like that? I know being in the present moment is something that we talk about a lot. Yeah, a lot of situations like that with either an athlete, a coach, or just your everyday encounter in life. And you can tell by their body language and their eye contact or lack thereof and where their head's at. The worst thing, like you said, is when you're looking at somebody and it looks like there's just hollow eyeballs looking right through you. You're like, man, I'm trying my hardest to get this across, but whatever I do, you're not going to listen. So those are always tough challenges, but I love the idea of chasing the present moment and meeting with monks and shamans. And I'd always like to go, one of my like big dream bucket lists is live with monks for like a week and just see what they do. Like, how do you sit by yourself for seven days in isolation? I think it would test me big time. Um, yeah. And, and, but it'd be really fun, right. To learn what they're doing. And so the suffering piece, that's huge, man. I love to hear that. That's really cool. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. I mean, if you take it one step further, you said live with monks for a week. This guy went down and lived in the Amazon rainforest for a month and was taken Hiawatha with some of these people, like part of just self-discovery, dude, totally wild. Like I, I'm not a personal, I'm not, I'm not trying to find Hiawatha on my journey, but you know, it's, <laughs> it is, it was pretty cool. It was an interesting, interesting clip. So uh, I see a lot of snakes on TV and, and Nat Geo, right? So uh, I don't know about the Amazon and my snake thing, but I can it's find them right here. <laughs> yeah. It's not my thing either. I feel you. Um, Number two on this week's good news. I found an article, really cool article. Uh, 2000 Brits or British people were interviewed um, about their daily goals. We talk goals all the time. Mm. Uh, and this was really interesting to see the commonalities and things that came up. What do you think the number one daily goal is for British people via this survey? Oh, man. Uh... You just did it in the last 15 seconds. In the last 15 seconds. Wow. Yep. Now I'm even more rattled. <laughs> yep. Be present. I don't know. Be, like, uh, Drink don't more water. 
Oh, drink more oh, water is number you. one. Okay. And, and that's something that I've always talked about. I need to do more that another one they listed was drink less coffee. I don't think I could do both, but no, that one's not getting cut out. <laughs> not getting cut out. <laughs> I'll, I'll, but, I'll even them out with more water and then more coffee. Just keep going up. There's water in coffee, right? Yeah. You're good. Hydrated. Um, but let me go down the list of just a couple other ones that really stood out. Uh, <clears throat> avoid buying things you don't need. Be more positive. Wake up earlier. Don't hit the snooze button. <laughs> Less time on social media and the phone. And then the interesting one that I thought was kind of funny, maybe it's a British problem. Uh, go a whole day without eating cake. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it's a Brit thing or what, but uh, I thought the list was great. And, and there was a lot on there that it's like, hey, if you just do these little simple things, like you're going to find a little more happiness, you know? Yeah, those daily goals, man, you're just stacking the positives, right? You keep habit stacking, build them up, and you just you find something like an objective or something that you check off a list. We feel more gratitude for it. We feel like we're accomplishing things and making progress. So um, the cake part, that's a little interesting, but I like the other ones, be more positive, right? And some of these other things like drink more water. And as you start to accomplish those little goals, you get a big uh, accomplishment. There's one thing, right, too, we're working with. There's a, there's a young athlete in Washington that we get to work with, and he's, his goal is a 10-minute mile, right? It's to run a 10-minute mile by uh, December 31st, right? So by the new year, he wants to run it. So he started at 1130, and he got he shaved 10 seconds off, I believe, the last two weeks. And if he keeps it up, I was telling him, hey, 10 seconds a week, if you can shave 10 seconds a week off of this thing, you're going to be at 950. Like You're going to be 10 seconds under the 10 minute mile. And so uh, I'm, I told him you're my case study and you're our case study to say, if you set daily goals and you keep working and stick with it for a couple months, look at where you're going to get. So it's pretty cool to see these little goals that drive us. That's awesome. That's, uh, it reminds me of uh, T, another guy we know uh, who's a, a, a runner, a high school runner. And he, oh, yeah, yep. <clears throat> we'd had a conversation a couple months back about his upcoming race and he was like stressing it a little bit. And I was like, dude, you just got to go into the race thinking you're going to absolutely smash your PR and then you're the fastest runner on the planet. And I got a text from him right after the race. He's like, smash my PR by 30 seconds. I was like, you're the Let's man. Go. Dude. Let's well, go. Hey, dude, and T, you, you haven't been there, right? So our leadership academy, um, T's been a big part of that for a long time. And he came on this week and he said he won his last race. Last really? year. Yeah. And last year, he was the last player on the roster to make the team. That's so cool. So think about how far he came in a year, but it's from pushing himself and, and having guidance and everything. But for him, that internal drive to get better, man, so fun to watch that. So seeing, seeing T, man, shout out T if you're listening in Buffalo, let's go. But just working hard and sticking to those goals, you never know where you're going to go if you just keep accomplishing little things every day. That's right. I couldn't have said it better myself. Moving on to this week's end. Uh, this week, Zen, I wanted to hit on it. Uh, you, we've talked about mornings before, but this is, we're in a new evolution. You sent out a new text or a tweet this morning that, that was like life hack of the year, get up early, you know? So yeah. talk to us, what's been the transition over, and I think it's the last two weeks is kind of when I've seen it, but what is, what has been the new kick for you? How are you getting up earlier? What's it done for your daily? So th this is kind of how it all transpired, right? In, when I was living in California uh, two years ago or whenever that was, pre-COVID, 
I was on a freaking rager, dude. I was like 4.30 a.m. up early, but I had to because I started work at 6. So I had to drive 30 minutes over the bridge. It was this crazy little ordeal. So I was up at 4.30, boom, no snooze, go. And I found a lot more productivity in the mornings. And I was crushing, crushing, crushing for a long time. And then probably about eight to nine months ago or so, I got burnt out. We travel a lot with what we do. So your schedules are up and down and there's a lot of excuses that we make. And so my body was just freaking dying. And my first instinct was rest. And my rest was snooze, right? Keep mm-hmm. snooze, snooze, snooze for like sometimes over an hour or some, some of these for over an hour. And so we're going in, working with teams, like telling them not to do these things. And I'm doing these things. So now I'm like, like counterproductive, feeling weird. Like I'm, I'm telling them the wrong thing. And uh, this last couple of weeks, it was finally, hey, I need to get in the weight room again with somebody else. Doing it on my own is great. It's fine, but it's not doing it. Right? I need to go back to Coach Kyle Decker here at Fast in Arizona. Does an awesome job. And so um, I finally texted him. I was like, Kyle, I got to get back in 6 a.m. Let's go to work. Let's do this thing. And so that forces me to get up at 5 instead of sleep in till 6.37 or so and then get going. And the number one thing I found is the productivity, right? Like my mental health and clarity is so much better after getting out of bed, no snooze for the last two weeks, not even once, even on the road, getting up and moving and just getting in the cold shower for me at least sparks my system. And once I get in, I'm good to go. It's just me getting out of bed to the cold shower is the toughest challenge. So mastering your morning, man, we talk about it a lot on your morning, on your life. And if you can just find little things in the morning that can set you off with a good accomplishment, such as no snooze or cold shower or meditation, or even just getting up at all, that gives you some more confidence. And then as you go throughout the day, you feel like you have so much more time. So it went from a couple of weeks ago, feeling like, man, we're so busy. I don't have any time to do anything to have like two extra hours a day. I mean, in a week, that's 14 hours in a year. That's a lot of time in a year right there. So um, just productivity-wise, time-wise, mental clarity-wise, and then giving you yourself some time when it's so quiet and peaceful, you can find a lot of peace in the early mornings. Yeah, what about you? You've been, you've been kicking that for a long time. You've been challenging me for a long time, too, with it. Like, you went from freaking whatever you did at school to 4 a.m. on the golf course, right? Like, what's yeah. changed for you? Well, I mean, honestly, dude, getting back into coaching has made me worse at it. How about that? Mm. I I don't get up at 430 right now. I'm getting up at six, which is, I mean, it's normal, you know, normal day, but I've been getting up at six for the last month and a half because I'm getting home at five Mm. and I'm so smashed. Like my days now are just, I feel way more exhausted than when I'm normally, you know, waking up and I'm walking in here which is where like the, the typical grind is for me. And I think it's not that it's not that I can't do it. Right. But it's like you said, it's the easy, Hey, like, let me get my 30 minutes right now and get it out of the way, mm. because I don't know if I'm going to get that later, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel both sides of it. I think that I do better and I'm, I'm, I feel more energetic when I'm up earlier. Uh, but again, like just life happens sometimes and I'm in a streak of, a month now where I've, I have not been getting up at five. So yeah, it's a, it's a wavy, wavy deal, you know, (laughs) but, uh, the battle is what it is. I never snoozed over an hour though. Never. (laughs) I've had some tough snoozes in my life. That's insane. Snooze button. That's for sure. (laughs) Savage. Anyways, uh, this week we had a great guest, Josh. Cause you, it's not, it's not pronounced the way it looks when it's, 
spelled. It's it's an interesting <laughs> spelling. But Josh Kuzu, he is uh, a mental coach with the a mental skills coach with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's been in professional baseball for six years now. Uh, I believe he's with the Mets before that. He's done some other work with ice hockey and some professional hockey and some other uh, really pretty much hit every other sport. Uh, he is a big league version of what we do even though we're major league university and the guy is an absolute legend. What did you think about the interview with Josh? Oh, he was awesome, man. Great energy came in so open and honest too, and just really got straight to the point. A lot of the things that we talk about, right. With the routines and, and other stuff that you're going to find out here in a minute, I don't want to throw it out there and, and give it, give you everything, but he's such a good dude, man. And, and just keeping it simple. It was very easy to understand. It wasn't super complex, crazy terminology. It was very simple, very actionable. And the best part that I enjoyed was, the relationship piece, right? Building relationships with your players, with your athletes and with your family members. So um, awesome guy, man. It's crazy what social media can do. You just reach out on a random DM, shooting your shots, see what happens. And then you get somebody awesome on board who's able to provide a lot of value to some other people. So we're excited to dive into this thing. You're really going to enjoy it. There's a lot of good nuggets in here. Uh, make sure you turn up the speakers a little extra loud. <laughs> if you haven't already, because Bias Mike's whack. Without <laughs> no, further ado, <laughs> Josh Cousy. Oh, that's a rhyme. <laughs> what is going on, guys? We are back with another episode of Champion School. I'm Austin Bother. We got Ray McIntyre, JP, Jared Perkins. He's joining the crew now. He's going to be on a lot more of these. We mentioned it last time if you were paying attention and listening in. And we have an awesome special guest, one of the Tampa Bay Rays, middle skills coordinators, Josh. Josh Kuzu. We got the name right. We got the name right. We're fired up. And I botched Josh, which is horrible. But Josh, welcome <laughs> yeah, to the I show, that. man. That's, the, that's as easy as it's, man. It's one of my favorite wines is Josh. But how are you, Josh? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Excited to be on here with you guys today. Hey, we're pumped up, fired up to have you, man. We're excited. Um, before we even get into it, we love what you do. We were talking off air a little bit that um, when I was back with the Diamondbacks, we didn't really have any of this going on in our department and there was no mental skills. It was still really foreign, at least at the professional level. And now what you guys are doing, man, the impact that you're making for these athletes and their mental health and just getting them right to play consistently is amazing. So Thanks for what you do. We're fired up and excited to talk with you about it, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, and there's a lot of people getting into this right now. And it's awesome to see how every organization is building it out. And I think the D-backs are on the right track with Zach over there now. So mm. hopefully they keep trending that way. Hey, upward trend, baby. Let's go. But I want to kick it off, Josh. I know you're living in Florida now. You bounce around between AA, AAA affiliates. Things change, as we know, every single year in professional baseball. But what got you into mental skills? Like, what was your path? Like, did you play sports growing up? Were you competitive? Kind of what led you into this department and got you passionate about helping athletes through the mental side of the game? Yeah, um, kind of a long, winding journey to get to this point. And I would say that the the theme of it were my own struggles. Um, so I grew up in Michigan, played baseball there, played college ball, uh, went to a small D1 and then transferred to small D2 there. One of the things that I struggled with while I was playing was just <laughs> getting in my own head a lot of times. And I was a catcher, and I don't know if you guys have seen Major League Two, uh, Rube, can't throw the ball back to the pitcher. That was me. And I went through it, and it was, it was freaking miserable. Um, 
didn't know how to get over it. You know, you got coaches yelling at you, you got other people getting on your case. Like, how can you not make a 60 foot throw where you can get it down to second and 1.9? And it's like, I don't know. Like, I really don't know what's going on right now. Um, so I went through those struggles. I got, got out of it, uh, but it was on my own, just different types of things. And you figure it out as you go, but I was fortunate enough to figure it out. And then, um, after I was, after I got my bachelor's degree, I didn't get into this stuff right away. Uh, my bachelor's degree is in biology and where I'm from in Michigan, you get your degree, you go work for this little local company, you put in your 25, 30 years, you retire and that's it. And so I was doing that and I'm like, this, this ain't it. Like I, I should be, I, I couldn't be doing more. I was involved with high school coaching, coaching summer ball, doing all that type of stuff. And one day I was turned on to the idea of sports psychology. Well, what's the first thing you do when you learn something new? Well, you go to Google, right? And you type it in and you start looking at all this stuff. And I was like, holy crap, this is perfect. And a lot of the stuff I was talking about with players, what are you trying to think about in the box? What are some of your goals for this season? How do you feel out there? And obviously I had no background at that time. It was just my own personal experiences. But when I saw that there was a science behind this and that there was actually research and there were people doing this, I said, I need to know more and I want to do this and I want to make this my own career path. So I went, I applied to graduate school at Barry University down in Miami and was fortunate enough to get in, did my two years and straight out of grad school, I was really lucky to start an internship with the New York Mets um, straight out of school. So did that for one summer and then they brought me back the next year full time spent three years over there or four years total. And then I jumped over to the Rays in 20, 2020 was my first season. Um, so I've been here the last two years and yeah, excited to see where, where this goes with, with baseball. Um, but I've worked in other sports, pro hockey, uh, worked with youth athletes. So you probably named the sport and I've had experience with it at some point, but really, really enjoy the journey uh, so far. Oh, it's incredible, man. And I love just hearing the backstory of what gets somebody into it. And for you going through the the dreaded Y word, right? The yips. And I had it at first base for about a year and it was horrible. It was like our coach brought us out there and his way of getting me through this was mother effing me and saying, throw it as hard as you can in my chest and hit me in the face, you <laughs> son of a gun. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I am, my anxiety is going through <laughs> this. The ain't it. No, this isn't it. Like there's 30 or there's just uh, whatever, you know, you get into it. But um, for you, I want to dive into that for a second. Like, cause we have a lot of athletes that are catchers too, who have the ups and that it's tough for them to throw back. Are there any specific types of training tools or methods that you've seen that have worked? Is it just, Hey, you just figure it out eventually, or, or how do you process through that for any specific athlete? I mean, everybody's different, right? Um, that's the first thing that what I'll talk about a lot of times with players and what helped for me was I'm right-handed. So you normally, when you step and throw, you step with your left foot and then you throw, right? I started stepping with my right foot and it was just like that, just trying to get out of that internal thinking of where does my body need to be? Oh, I need to step this way. I need to step this way. I felt so stupid doing it. And I was more worried about looking stupid that that's that got me out of that internal thought process and more external just okay look stupid just throw the ball and when i started doing that it helped um what also helps kind of get you out of that thinking mindset is just counting so like you catch it one two three four one two three four almost like you're dancing and just try to get some sort of rhythm where you're not thinking about okay how does it feel in my hand oh when i get to here i need to do this with my like the the more that you can get out of that internalized thought process 
the better off that you'll be. Uh, and, and that's kind of my biggest thing. I still kind of feel it. Um, yeah. You know, when I'm playing catch, we start warming up and you're only 40 feet away from somebody. It's like, ah, and then like, you just got to trust it like anything. And then you, you start getting back into the rhythm and, and flow. But yeah, I mean, I still kind of feel it a little bit, I guess, but I would say those two things, like try to get more external and try to get in some sort of rhythm the best way you possibly can. I like that a lot. That's huge, man. That would have helped me a while ago. <laughs> that would have helped me a lot. Oh, but I love it, man. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think the next thing that I want to dive into is really like the different programs, right, of mental skills in departments, right? So um, you guys have yours with the Rays. You had yours with the Mets. I'm sure you learned a lot, and there's some differences and similarities. Um, we know Hannah pretty well with the Phillies. There's just so many good people in the space, and it's growing just massively. What are some of the differences in like, I guess, between a lot of the different organizations at the professional level and how the mental skills department shapes out. I'm just super curious on like, what are some of the things you guys teach? Is there differences between what a, one team and another organization teaches? Are they pretty similar? Like, how do you guys really go about that? You know, it's funny, like, as you ask that, I'm thinking about it and not a whole lot of programs share their secrets of like, oh, here's the curriculum that we're talking or here's how we do it. But to be honest, I feel like we're all probably teaching the same types of things. We're all teaching about routines. We're all teaching about self-talk. We're all teaching about goals. Like in some way, shape or form, that's probably happening amongst every team. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Um, where they differ is the structures and who's where and how many people cover certain teams. So, for example, with the Rays, we have five of us and we have one guy, Justin Sua, who covers our big league team. I cover double A, triple A. We have Chris Goodman who does low A and high. We have Carla Hoda who does the DR in our complex, the Florida complex league, not GCL anymore. It's the FCO. And then we also have Jenny Garcia who she helps out with, with Carla. So they're bouncing back and forth there, but we have five of us and none of us have any more than two teams, which I think is great. I think it allows you the ability to spend some time with the team, leave them, go to another one and then come back. And then that way you're not popping in once a month for three days and then you're gone. And then I won't see you guys again for six weeks. And I, th I think that's been great for us. Um, other teams are different. They might have one or two people that cover the entire organization, which I think is crazy. Um, and I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I think it's a disservice to the players. Um, I think that players, yes, they, they're the ones going out there. It's our job to teach them these tools. But if we're not there to, in their environment, seeing what's happening, it doesn't need to be every day, but like just being a part of their culture, I think it's a lot harder to, to have conversations with players. I mean, think about it when you play it. If, if, if somebody's just showing up once every six weeks or two months and you don't have much of a relationship, why would you go talk to him about what's going on? Like I have no investment in this person that's coming in here. So I think, you just have to be around. You have to spend some time. So like I said, every organization is different and some of it comes down to just what do they want to pay for? Like, do they want to pay for five mental skills coaches? Do they want to pay for two? Like that's where it's just so different. It's amazing to me. That's really good. That's really good. Um, go ahead, Ray. Josh. Yeah. I was going to ask. Uh, so over the last five years, you've been in it for a little bit. Have you seen, I mean, there, there, there was the old stigma of I can't talk to the mental skills guy. Have you seen like over the last five years, that's become kind of more of like a norm, like, hey, I'm just going to get working with my guy. I have. Um, but I also think it's attributed to 
the people that are in those roles. Um, I think you have to not necessarily know baseball, but I think you have to know like how to be around and how to blend in, how to find space. Like for example, my day, I'll get there at 12, one o'clock. You're there until the game is over sometimes an hour after. So you're there for 10 hours a day. You're not having mental skills conversations for 10 hours a day, every single day. So how are you filling in that space? Get in the outfield, shag, play catch, be around bullpens, hang out in the clubhouse, grab lunch with players. Like those are the types of things that help kind of destigmatize mental skills. And I think that's what's really helped kind of build this out as, as we go, as opposed to, you know, some of like Austin, you talked about before your experience with um, whoever was there and it was just kind of awkward. Right. And, and that person just, maybe didn't develop those relationships as well as they possibly could. And I think like as teams are building out these programs, they're starting to see like, okay, we, we don't need just somebody who checks the boxes as far as like education goes, but are they going to be able to hang out with players? Are they going to be able to spend time with coordinators and coaches and just not be awkward? Like, because that's how you're going to get buy-in ultimately. That's what I think. I just wanted to kind of, build on that a little bit. Cause I think the, one of the biggest things in mental health um, is stepping through the door and realizing there's an issue going on. So do you do a lot of proactive outreach to the athletes? If you start noticing something's going wrong or do you kind of wait for them to come to you? Cause I know you probably don't want to tread and cross that line, but I'm just curious in kind of how you approach that. Yeah, it's, it's tricky sometimes. Um, and to be honest, I'll kind of judge it based on the depth of the relationship that I have with that player. If I don't, have a great one or say it's the beginning of the season, I'm probably not going to go up to him right away and be like, Hey, I've been noticing this, like what's going on type of thing. I'll wait it out. But I think like the longer you're in an organization, the more time that you spend, the more that they see you around, the more that they're going to come up to you. And I also think when it comes to the mental health piece, it's important to have a good working relationship with your EAP that's on staff with your licensed clinical psychologist or psychiatrist, whoever it may be, every team has one of those. So it's important for us as mental performance coaches to have that relationship. That way, when we notice something or a player comes up to us and says, Hey, like I'm having these things going on at home. I can stop them right there and say, Hey, I appreciate you coming to talk to me. I appreciate your trust. This is out of my scope of practice. Let me refer you to so-and-so. And then we go from there. And then, then it's helping these players get the, the help that they need, understanding where my limitations are, my circle of competence is, and ultimately just helping these guys out. So if I can just help bridge some of that gap, I'm good with it. But, you know, the, our EAP, we don't have five or six EAPs running around. We have one to cover the whole organization. So maybe that's something that evolves over time as well um, as mental health is being talked about a bit more. So that's kind of how we've been doing it. That's huge. Ray, did you have something else you were going to build off of there? That, no, you? it's just, it's, it's so cool because like he's talking about the EAPs and, and like, there's such a blend now, right? Like of your home life and your work life, yet we need to still push the people to the right help, you know? And, and this is something we'd talked about before as we're kind of growing up as a company is like, we don't want to be the guys saying, Hey, we're psychologists. You know, we want to be the guys that's equip your toolbox and say, hey, if you need help, these this is the way you need to go. So, mm-hmm. like, even at our level, working with youth, youth and high schoolers, like, very similar situation. Yeah, 
No doubt. And I, and I think it's important, like, as you guys, I'm not going to tell you like what to do, but like to have that referral network of people that you can go to is so big, especially for youth athletes. That's what I've experienced in, in along the way for myself is just like noticing when you're having these conversations with players, like, Hey, this is, this isn't me, but here's somebody that you can talk to right away. Like we can get them, get this ball moving and get them going. So that, that referral network is huge to have. You hit it on the head there, Josh. And, and there's something that's powerful, even kind of thinking through this. It's like if we could, and really our mission was using our personal experience, similar to you, to go back and give back to these athletes. And we're like, hey, let's just get them at a younger level, like kind of thinking about these things in the youth, in the high school and college. So when they get to if they get that chance for a professional level or like most athletes, professional level never comes and it's now into the career in your workforce how do you use these skills into your real life everyday opportunities and so my next question I guess for me and I'm super curious about this is what are some of the main things that you enjoy teaching like and it could be your department and if, if it's tough to get into that maybe some things that you're passionate about because I don't want to get you in trouble right but some <laughs> no, things that you're that you're big on that, that you preach with say I'm coming in and I'm, I'm a new professional athlete I just got signed out of college I'm ready to go. I'm pumped up and you're going to just equip me with some skills. Like what are those one or two main skills that you're really talking with these athletes a lot over the course of a season? Yeah. For, it's routine. Like having a routine, a lot of these guys, actually all, all of them coming in have never played baseball and had a game every single day for six months. So like, how do you prepare for that? And not only how do you prepare, how do you handle that? And then how do you, go home at night and get ready for the next day. How do you flush that game? So like, I'm really big on that routine, the pre-performance routine, the during performance and the post-performance routine. Like that is really what I want guys to have a really good understanding of as they continue to progress up through a system. doesn't need to be this thing of, okay, I wake up at 11, I eat three eggs and sausage and I don't care. Like whatever, if that's what you need, great. But what do you need to do to get your mind and body prepared to play tonight? And then once you get to the field, what are you doing then? Are you looking at video? Are you looking at scouting reports? Are you meeting with coaches? Are you getting in the cage? Are you throwing sides? Like there can be a lot that goes into it and it can be overwhelming for guys. So like, let's sit down and write it up. Like, what do we need to do? And then the post-performance part of the routine, I think is often the most overlooked piece because right after a game, what do we do? We get on our phones, we go through Instagram, Twitter, everything, either looking for highlights or just seeing what we missed for the last four hours you don't even think to process the game. Then you get home at night and put the phone down and you're laying in bed and the game comes back and you're just replaying it over and over and over again. Next thing you know, it's three, four or five o'clock in the morning. And you're like, Oh shoot, I need to get to sleep uh, because I got to be up in four hours to do this again tomorrow. So I really want guys after a game to just either journal or use their phone for notes and ask yourself, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, and what do I want to do tomorrow? Simple three questions. Get it in, get it out, get it done. You're done in five minutes. Go take your shower and then go do whatever you need to do the rest of the day. It's a really good way for guys to, to forget about it, move on, and also learn from it. So, like, that routine piece is probably the, the biggest thing for me when, when we're talking about young kids. Um, and it, when you have that solid foundation as you progress through levels, yeah, you can make tweaks and you can change things, but like, that's the one thing that you know will be there. It doesn't matter if I'm in Bowling Green, that's our high A team, and I get called up to Montgomery, I still know what I need to do to prepare. Everything is different, but I know 
what I need to do to give myself the best chance to succeed. And isn't that what we're trying to do at the end of the day? That's what we can control. Same thing when they go from AAA to the big leagues or when you get sent back down. You know, that's a reality of professional baseball. You get sent back down, it's really easy to go into that downward spiral of woe is me. Remember your routine. Remember what got you to where you are. And obviously, yeah, we might need to make some changes now, but stay true to what it is that you believe in. That's probably the biggest thing that I talk about with guys. I love that. That is so awesome. Stay true to what you believe in. All right, that is so powerful. Um, JP, you want you want to dive in? Yeah, so I think the the one question that I have, because um, when I coach baseball, the the thing that I brought me the most joy is when you teach kids something and then they pick it up and then they implement it and they have success. Do you, can you take us into a moment that where you worked with an athlete, that you don't have to mention the athlete and things like that, but where you worked with them on the mental skills side of the thing, then all of a sudden you saw it click and you're like, yeah, this is why I do what I do. Yeah, there's stories. It's, it's so hard because let's say I have a conversation with a player and it's at three o'clock right before BP and we're talking and he's like, man, I'm over my last 10 and I just, I can't figure it out. I'm like, okay, let's simplify things here. What are you trying to do? What do you want to accomplish when you're in the box? Oh, I'm just trying to hit the ball hard. Okay, look for something middle way type of thing. Like get him to self-discover what he wants to do. And then you get to the game and his first at bat, he hits a line drive to right center and you're like, oh, wow, like we got it. But it's like, was that conversation the reason that it happened? So it's like <laughs> yeah. trying not to get tied up in the results piece. But at the same time, I'm like, God, I hope he gets three hits tonight and all of them are to right field. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm sitting there like <laughs> kind of brain. That's how it really was like early in my career. I was like, man, like this guy goes out and plays well tonight. Like I'm going to look good. And you get away from that as, as you've been in it. Cause it's like, all you had was a conversation with the player that could have been what clicked. It could have been his conversation with his mom, his uh, dog might've just showed up today. He could be in a different, like there's so many different things that could have impacted that player's performance. So it's really hard to say like, Oh, we talked today and this kid went out and tore it up for the rest of the season. Like that was, that was me. Um, but there are moments, you know, that happen where it's like, I've been working with a guy for some time and you start to see him just, more relaxed out there, more confident in who they are. And you start to see them believe in themselves and then they have success. And it's like, okay, I, I know I had some sort of impact here. So it's hard to just like pick a specific example and I'm not using it as a cop out, but I'm just saying like, it's sometimes tough to have one. It's hard to say like, all right, get your hands up a little higher and then bang. That's the change. (laughs) He's raking now. That's me. (laughs) Just doesn't work. Uh, um, for you, he'll be in the box. Sorry, go oh, ahead. good. You're um, good. I was gonna say he could still be in the box, like thinking a million miles an hour, and then he maybe <laughs> got lucky and ran into one. So, like, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you're having the same conversation with the guy the next week. Like, yeah, that's what's working. And yeah, yep. keep it going. Uh, keep it going. <laughs> uh, what's what do you see the biggest difference? Um, you you guys get 16 mm-hmm. to 18 year old. You know, some guys from the Dominican are super young sometimes, but we'll say between like an 18 year old phenom versus, you know, a guy that's been in the league for a while when you see him on the mental side of the game. I think just an awareness, the self-awareness of like knowing who they are as a as a player. I think a young kid is just trying to figure it out. Um, And, you know, those phenoms, they've never failed before or, or very rarely have they failed and they won't until they get to double A, triple A, and shoot, maybe even in the big leagues, hopefully for them. 
But I think that these guys really just understand who they are and what they need to do to, to have that success every day. So yeah, it kind of ties back into that routine piece, but I think over time of every single day being at it, you start to know like this drill. Yeah. That's not for me. Yeah. This drill. Yeah. I need to be doing that. Yeah. This coach, what he's talking about. Yeah. It makes sense, but I don't need to take all of it. And it's just like being able to understand that there's pieces from everybody that you can pull from and you don't have to take everything as gospel. You know what I mean? Like just because this person said it doesn't mean that it's the exact right thing to do. It's just, they're just doing their best to try to help you out. So you take what you can from that, apply it to your game and go out there and play. And I think like, as guys get older, they start to realize that and they understand like, Hey, this isn't working. Let's try something else. It's not to say that they're always changing things or tweaking things or whatever it might be, but it's just, you get a better understanding of, of just who you are and who you are as a player. Some of that is attributed to the, the use of analytics. Like there's so much out there anymore that players understand like, okay, here's what I am. Here's what I'm doing. This is what I need to do to get better. And they have all those metrics out in front of them, which is really helpful. Or they'll say like, oh, here's what I am. Probably not a good chance. Maybe, maybe I'm a contact hitter. That's all I'm ever going to be. And that's okay. And that's fine. And just understanding that's what I'm going to be and not going into the off season and be like, okay, next year I'm going to come back and try to hit 40 homers. Well, why waste your time with that? If that's not the player that you are. So it's, I actually think the analytics side, the data has helped players in that aspect of just like, this is what I need to do to get better, or this is who I am as a player. So that self-awareness piece is probably the biggest difference for guys. And it's, I mean, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Just, I mean, there's guys in the big leagues who, if you ask them, who are you? There's a player like they know either, but I think that's probably the biggest thing that I see. Very interesting. The self-awareness piece is so powerful. And, and I think it really goes for anything that we're doing too in, in life and just knowing who you are a little bit. And it's funny when you, like, like you said, you ask somebody even in the big leagues and they don't really even know, but they've had so much success that they've grown and they've done these things. It's like, I don't know. I just do it. I'm just that good. I just go yeah. for it. I do it. Um, I'm curious. So you bring up the analytics piece and there's a lot of, I guess you could say Twitter beef where it's all analytics versus I'm old school. We don't need analytics versus like the happy medium peacemakers in the middle. Um, how do you walk the line in your mental skills department from the mental side of like understanding who you are and the self-awareness and your routines and the things that we know work versus like literal proof of what's happening with your data but knowing that some athletes might go a little too far into the analytics and it might fill up the mind with more things than we should probably have going on during the game. Have you seen that like a, a kind of a trend in that at all at your level? Is it, is it popular? Is it not? How, how do you guys walk that line? Yeah, I think actually now these players have an understanding that all this information is available to them. And I think even at the college level, some of these guys are coming in and they're like, yeah, we already know all this stuff or we've seen this before so that's really helped as far as like that that shell shock of like oh my god i got all these papers in front of me what am i supposed to do with this stuff so that has helped um there's still guys who kind of get over analytical for lack of a better term uh and it's just like okay how can we simplify but i think what's interesting when it comes to the mental performance side is it's just like we don't have specific data that we can track during games right and it's not like oh um, we're doing breathing techniques. How does it impact, uh, or, or we can see this in his batting average or anything like that. So it's, 
it's been a challenge actually to in a game that is so data driven what are we providing from the mental performance side that says hey this these tools that you're teaching are actually working and that's probably the the biggest thing that we're going to try to continue to figure out as we go and i think like as teams build their programs out like <laughs> good luck i mean like i hope that's something that we can all share and try to figure out together because it's a very qualitative field of mental performance. Um, it, it just is. And it's something that excites me uh, because it's like, okay, if we can figure out how to quantify the work that we're doing and, and help out and see correlations, like I think that's going to be the next wave of things uh, as mental performance continues to grow. But I mean, it's hard. It's just, it really is. I don't have the answer. I, I don't, it doesn't mean that we don't think about it, but I just, you try, you try different things and you, you try to quantify things, but you just, you don't know. So, I mean, there's research, there's science, there's evidence-based practice that you're, you're doing and you, you know that, but as, as this continues to grow and baseball and other sports just become so reliant upon data, it's going to be like, show us, show us how mental performance is really impacting these players. And so, yeah, I, it's a, uh, it's a challenge. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how that transpires because if there is some data, I think it's, it's going to, it'll, it'll definitely negate a lot of the naysayers. And then two, it's going to help the buy-in for an athlete coming in. Cause I mean, it's something new for a lot of them and they haven't always been exposed to it at a younger age. And I don't think the school system does a great job of providing them resources at an early, early age where we can start to condition these athletes and just human beings to use more practical tools such as journaling and breathing things and, and, and those types of things. And for JP, he's in the, basically the white house, right. He's in, in the DC and he's doing a lot of mental health policies for our world today. And just things that are so important and changing the landscape of mental health forever. And it's really cool and impactful. Um, I'm curious and then I'll kick it off to you guys. And we got a cool game here coming up on the end. I have two more questions, fellas. I don't know what else you guys got, but um, breathing technique wise, I'm huge on breathing. It changed my career. It was so big for me. Um, and it took me three different people, three different psychologists to come in and train us to make sure that I bought in, right? It was a seven month period. I finally bought in. What are you guys doing breathing technique wise that are helping your athletes just kind of perform under that pressure, calm down a little bit and play more free? Yeah, we're, we do a lot of just rhythmic breathing. Um, so the, the inhale for four, hold for one, exhale for four or five. Um, that's probably box breathing is one. Uh, that's been very helpful for players, you know, using that focal point, finding your focal point, staring at that, taking that big inhale, that exhale. I think it's more just of that. We don't have a specific like program of like, here, we're going to do breathing every single day for like this week. I think as we continue to build out our curriculum, maybe that's something that is incorporated, but I think like just that awareness of the breath, I think most guys do know when they come in now, like breathing is important. So it's just more individual based of, Hey, uh, JP, what do you got on breathing? That's how I'll, have these conversations and it'll be like, Oh, I have my routine of, you know, I, I go home and I meditate every day for five minutes. Cool. How do you use that on the field? Okay. I use it by, I take my bat, I find my focal point and I take a deep breath. Awesome. And then we're good. So it's really just trying to get guys to understand that what is your practice with it and how are you playing it on the field? And there's not just like a one size fits all to it. Um, so like, but if a guy doesn't have anything, I'll go to that box breathing. I'll go to the diaphragmatic breathing. Um, I've also used, uh, body scans where you go through your whole body and you're just taking a deep breath and you inhale and you just 
start to check in with your body, part of self-awareness as well. Um, so it's just a lot of different tools that I use. I don't, I don't want to say there's one specific one that I do more than others. So. So good. So good. Breathing is so powerful. It's so, it's so powerful. I love it. And um, like you said, the self-awareness, right? Even that body scan, just becoming present with your body, becoming present with who you are. Uh, JP, Ray, you guys got anything else that you guys want to want to ask? I'm good. Up, Ray, do you have anything? I'll, I'll take one. Then the last one for me, you said you work with some professional hockey. you had some, you had some Ooh. other uh, sports that you dove into. Uh, what is the biggest difference between we'll just go hockey dudes versus the baseball guys you work with? The amount of free time the hockey players have. I had no oh, idea. Really? <laughs> what? So it was like, I, I had, so it was an AHL team, um, Springfield Thunderbirds up in Massachusetts. It was the, it's the Florida Panthers, like AHL team. And they told me their schedule. They're like, yeah, we play on Wednesdays and then maybe two or three games on the weekend. I go, well, what else are you doing? And they're like, that's it. And I said, okay, well, what's game day look like? They come in for morning skate for an hour. They go home and then they come back at five o'clock for a seven o'clock game. I'm so used to what? baseball. Where you're there all day, every day. And I was like, what are we doing? And so the biggest thing I was talking about with these guys are how are you filling your downtime? Like, what are you doing to be productive? Because they get domed up, like just sitting at home and sitting in hotel rooms. And when you're in the Northeast, the winter is miserable. Um, so it's really easy to get into like a depressive state, especially if you're not playing well. Um, so that was a lot of conversations were just based around things like that. God, that's interesting. I mean, our biggest time, like you said, like we're talking about with college dudes, like you're getting there at a 12 o'clock for a five o'clock first pitch and they're not eating till 8 p.m. So like that's the big window. Whereas like, you know, you got guys that are just sitting there wearing it in the hotel room before a game, like definitely different, yeah. but geez, all good. That's JP. a whole different, that's a whole different breed. Sorry, JP, JP, you got some? Oh, no, I'm good. Okay, cool. I got one more. I got one more, and then we're going into the game, Josh. I didn't prep you on the game. It's going to be awesome, epic. You're going to have a lot of fun. You already killed I'm nervous. Me. I need a breathing technique right now. Hey, let's, let's see. Hey, live breathing techniques, baby. We're gonna, this is going to be amazing. Um, I've yeah. learned a ton today, man, so thank you. And it's just, it's just really uh, solidifying a lot of beliefs that I've had before, too. And um, I love it. It just fires me up to see that athletes are buying into this and people are out there doing this proactively. My last question though, because this is something that I've always been curious on is we talk so much as say mental skills, mental performance, psychologists, whoever might be doing this in these fields who are working on the mind with a lot of athletes and people, but what about your own mental health? How do you take care of you? Like what are some things that you do proactively to make sure that you're in the right headspace going into your AAA affiliate when you've been traveling away from your family, you have life that hits too, right? We're all human beings. How do you take care of your own mental health to make sure that you're right before you go out there to help your athletes and some of the people, even coaches that you get to talk to on a daily basis? I'll be honest, I appreciate that question. Uh, because sometimes it's overlooked like, Oh, that's the mental guy. He's supposed to have it all figured out. And it's like, yeah, we don't always. So like, what are you doing to take care of it? And so for me, living in Florida is extremely helpful. Um, because like I touched on about hockey players living up North, like this is my downtime. And so to be able to go outside, to go to the beach, to go to the pool, to just soak up sun, like, is huge for me. Um, I love it. And it, it helps really rejuvenate me. Um, 
like to read, you know, I'll spend our season finish at the end of September, the minor league season. Then we had camps into October, kind of end of October. So we were kind of going from February until the end of October. So I'll be honest, after those first couple of weeks, I don't do anything. Like I'll just shut down, kind of catch up with Netflix, uh, TV shows, things like that, and just kind of check out. Um, and I think that's okay. Uh, and I don't think you have to go 100% all the time. Uh, maybe, but it's not going to work for me. I'll tell you that much. Uh, so like that's type of stuff that helps get me rejuvenated. Um, I'll show you, I'm getting married this weekend. So like, we've had a lot Let's of go. stuff like that. Which yeah, I'm excited. Um, so that's helped kind of detach from like the whole work stuff. Um, but this is a whole different type of work, uh, getting, getting wedding plans and all that stuff taken <laughs> care of, but, but it's been fun. It's been, it's been fun. My fiance has been great through it all. And yeah, we're, we're excited for this time. Whatever she wants, Josh. As a two year, we're coming up on our two years with my wife. So literally just yes. And a smile is the biggest thing that you can learn. You know? we're, we're learning that one. Yeah, for sure. Right on, man. Congratulations. First yes, of all, congratulations. And, um, are we ready? We're going to get into this game. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. It's called on it or off it. Uh, I will go through a list of 10 things and you're going to tell us you're either on it. You're that's something you're about or you're off it. You're not really about that. And give us just a quick one sentence as to why. All right. All right. All right. Let's there, here we go. Number one, Star Wars. Off it. Never watch it. I don't know <laughs> why. I just haven't. <laughs> All good. Uh, swimming. Oh, off. No chance. I'm going to drown. I, I can swim. Want no part of it. Florida guy with the beaches doesn't want to swim. Yeah, okay. I'll go out there and hang out with some sharks, but like I'm not, I'm not trying to. Swim. I probably should for, for cardio, but I'm out. Uh, going fishing. I, yeah, I like to fish, um, but I've never really done much saltwater, so maybe that's something that I get into uh, for mental health reasons. There you go. Let's go. Uh, cornhole. On it, yeah, for sure. Let's go. Like I'll, I'll run it. At our wedding, we're having cornhole boards there. So what does that tell you? <laughs> Are you good? Are you soft player? I, mean, I, I, I think. So. <laughs> right on. Uh, Jay Z. On it, but dude, that's tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Jay Z. Like he's legit. Uh, but I couldn't tell you like who it is off the top of my head. That's all right. Old school Jay Z. <laughs> hey, we're good. Yeah. Um, Non-fungible tokens, NFTs. Yeah, off. I don't know. I know what it is. I'm, I'm getting into it, but like, I don't know. You couldn't tell me. Anything. I don't know. I'm off. We got one coming out in January for you. We'll, we'll send you some details. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Starbucks. Yeah, I. But like, it's so bougie because it's like, why am I paying five dollars for coffee? Like, this is stupid. But yeah, I mean. In the season, I'm, I'm buying it, but like in the off season, I don't drink coffee. Like I don't, I don't, I don't touch it. But in the season, it's, I don't know. It feels kind of cool to walk into the clubhouse and you got your little coffee from Starbucks. You feel, you feel, you're feeling yourself a little bit. So yeah, it's just so convenient, you know. It is um, virtual reality. Ooh. I mean, on it, yeah, it's pretty cool. Don't have much experience, um, but I think it's cool. I've seen some stuff for baseball that they use virtual reality. So, like, that, I think that stuff's pretty cool. 
Yeah, are you guys using the is that the win reality where they're seeing pitches and stuff? You guys have that in your your program? Uh, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like the Rays are pretty innovative with a lot of things, so I'm sure it's probably somebody doing it somewhere. Yep. Uh, soccer. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I've worked uh, with soccer players. They're great, but I'm out. Very good. Last one. Recent after watching yesterday's game, Tampa Bay Bucks and TB12 winning the Super Bowl again. Oof. I mean, yeah, I gotta say on it. <laughs> but like, so it's weird because being from Michigan, I'm a I'm a Lions fan, and I know they're not gonna, they might not win a game this year. Tough. <laughs> it's embarrassing. So I've kind of adopted the Rams or uh, the Bucks, but I think that the Rams are gonna make a push at them. So we'll see. So I wouldn't mind the reason I shared the Lions part, which is like I said, embarrassing, is because I wouldn't mind seeing Stafford win. Like I think he's a good quarterback. So I hope he can get it done. But. We'll we'll, we appreciate your honesty with the Lions fan call out. That's, it, it takes yeah. a lot. That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> I know. It is. It is tough. It is. That's awesome. You dominated, man. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm going to kick this off to BZB before we wrap this up. But if we ever make it out to Florida, we'll be letting you know because you're, you're a guy we want to hang out with. So thank you. Yeah. Let's do yes. it. Um, we may actually be going out to Florida, Josh, in uh, December. So there might be an opportunity in your area, I think, in, in that Tampa area. I got to double check the details. But if yeah, you do, me up. that'd be sweet, man. Grab some coffee, hit the beach, hey, go get out there. No swimming for me either, though, man. I'm not yeah. in on the swimming. I'll tan. <laughs> I'll tan all day, but I will not be in that water. I'll, I'll get in, not swim. Um, but thank yep. you, Josh, for coming on, man. Learned a lot, like I said, and just taking the time out of your day. I know you guys are in that off-season downtime, kind of hanging out a little bit, rejuvenating the batteries. And, and just for what you do, man, thank you for your passion behind this and for all the things you're doing for athletes, especially at that professional level where, I mean, it could become a, a big-time stress and a lot of pressure put on these guys. So for what you do and for your staff, man, and all your teammates and everybody involved, Thank you from us, and we're excited for you, man. And uh, we're pumped to release this thing. So, oh, last thing, totally forgot. Where can people find you on social media? What can they, oh, where can yeah. they go find uh, you? Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, at Josh underscore Kuzu, K-O-Z-U-C-H. Um, the spelling, the pronunciation, sometimes tough for people, as you experienced here. So, like, I understand that. But that's the best places to reach out. LinkedIn as well. But, yeah, those two are my main ones for posting. Get on. You can check out his videos. He's taking a little breather, but coming back strong after that wedding, man. It's going to be fun, and uh, we're excited, man. So go get connected with him. Josh, thank you again from us, and we look forward to seeing you soon, man. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Josh. All right. Welcome back. Josh crushed, absolutely crushed it. Uh, first of all, uh, soon to be, uh, by the, probably by the time we hear this, it's newly married Josh Kuzu, uh, which I'm pumped about. Congratulations yes. again, our guy. Uh, what'd you think about the interview uh, overall with Josh? Loved it, man. Absolutely loved it. Uh, something that stuck out to me, I got written down here is pre-performance, during performance, post-performance routines. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Uh, we asked him, what's the number one thing that you would teach to your guys and girls or ice hockey, whatever sport, and it's routines, right? The power of routines or filling your space with productive time. That was really cool to hear because it's simple. We can all control that. And everybody's a little different. So it's finding things that work for you. And then the, also the piece I touched on in the very beginning there was the relationship building. Like it's hard for somebody to break through the noise if they don't build that relationship first. And so kind of blending in with the team, 
catching in the outfield, catching a bullpen, which I don't know if I would do that one. I'm taking some hacks with the dudes in BP and just being a part of the team to build those relationships and really in, investing yourself in those guys at that time. I mean, that breaks through all the barriers right there. So it was really fun to hear the differences and similarities of what we see on the youth and college side versus the professional levels at AA, AAA, where he's been at for a while now. Yeah, Jimmy VL was saying when he first got that job, he's, he went from the Mariners to the, the Blue Jays. And when he first got the job with the Blue Jays for the first like month, he was bouncing around from team to team, just showing up and throwing BP. <laughs> like wow. just chatting with dudes as a middle skills guy, throwing BP to, like you said, build the relationship. So that was really cool. I thought the other note that uh, really stood out to me in our interview here was when he was talking about the um, referring psychologists, right? Like Ooh, yeah. <clears throat> each team has their own psychologist or or somebody that can really sit down and, and get in touch with the players while they still have a staff of mental skills guys so like to know big leaguers still need to have somebody that they can go to and talk to uh, a trusted psychologist and to know that it's not a stigma like this is something that happens in everybody's lives uh, and that it's not something to shy away from it was, it was really cool to see that even big league mental skills coaches can say hey i'm not equipped for that this is who you need to see so mm. <clears throat> i thought it was something cool to touch on too about that about that about that anyways uh that's gonna do it for us for today uh for another week we're in november which is kind of wild but uh christmas around the corner i know bzb already has his christmas tree up might be a tick early but hey <laughs> i love christmas it is what it is so uh, from us, we can't thank you guys enough, man. Like this has been really cool. I, I checked the, I checked some stats on some of these podcasts just yesterday, and it was like 160 plays this week in seven days. It's like Let's wow, go. dude. There's some people are showing up. So Let's if go. you if you're still listening right now and you leave us an interview, we're gonna shout you out on the next episode or a review, not an interview. We have plenty of interviews. <laughs> leave us a review, Apple Podcasts or on YouTube. If you leave us a review, we're gonna give you a shout out. Uh, on the next podcast. So there you go. There's a little incentive. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for us. Ray Mac, BZB, we out.